there's a lot of mythos that came from that night, you know, a lot of legends. And I feel like one of the biggest mythos that came from the night is the act of Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera throwing the first bricks of Stonewall. I have a sticker. Pride has a story and it's Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. It's so true metaphorically. But actually, in later interviews, Marsha has said that they weren't there until after the riots started. They didn't show up until probably about two hours until like after things had settled, really. They were there more in the aftermath to help people clean up the mess, if you will. But they didn't actually, they, they, they weren't there that night, mostly. But because of the work that they put in so bitterly for this community and so lovingly for this community, they work their, their bodies to the bone for this community. They are remembered as the ones who threw the first brick. And that's why I like to call it a myth more than a rumor, because it, it means more. It's also representative of their commitment to transgender rights, right? And their continued advocacy efforts especially during a time when the transgender community was very much targeted, I think, more than any any of the other letters in the acronym. I would say so. I even remember when I was younger watching a documentary on Stonewall and learning about how transgender individuals went missing and the police were supposed to be doing investigations and they would close cases prematurely. So I, I think that during that time, there's a lot that we still don't know that happened in the history that we probably never will know. But a lot of people risked their lives for sure, but I think also laid down their lives. Even Marsha P. Johnson, her death is labeled an accident, but she was found floating down the river. I don't think that was an accident. It, exactly. It's, it's one of those things where there are so, so, so countless, just countless trans gender non-conforming queer people who we may never know what happened to. And that is an absolute tragedy. Mm -hmm. And Marsha was a, a Black transgender woman, and Sylvia was a Latina transgender woman. They were both just deeply involved in uh, advocating for LGBTQ plus rights before the uprising of Stonewall. And uh, I know that Marsha was really known for her charismatic spirit and her fearless dedication. Absolutely. And in the aftermath, they also did a lot of work. Marsha was nicknamed the Saint of Christopher Street, which I think is so appropriate. I love that. I knew this episode was going to make me cry a lot. Sylvia was, her nickname was, uh, well, she was often called or referred to as the mother of the transgender movement. Yeah. And she co-founded the, the Gay Liberation Front alongside Marsha. And I also, they, they uh, founded STAR. I have what that acronym stands for. STAR was for, for street gays and for homeless people was how uh, Sylvia put it in a quote that I, I also have. Yeah, I know, it, I know it had to do with like the, the broader issues of homelessness, poverty, um, like basically the needs of the LGBTQ plus youth. Both Marsha and Sylvia, um, I, I love how they really understood um, like the intersectionality of the struggle, like how um, LGBTQ plus rights intertwined with racial, economic, and uh, gender-based injustices. Absolutely. You know, because that, that, really, that really was the basis of the establishment of STAR, which I think the acronym is Street Transvestite Action Re Revolutionaries. 
S-T-A-R, which, uh, you know, is an organization that provided support for homeless LGBTQ plus youth. So I just wanted to add that because uh, I wanted to get the acronym in there and just say that, you know, I, I think that's important too. No, that's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially because I feel like they were some of the first to really bring an intersectionality into these movements. They were the first to genuinely connect these ideas and recognize that all of this is a web and it all every piece of this web matters. Like I feel like that was they were genuinely the first to really bring that to light. The fact that like there is so much more to this. I could be very mistaken on that. They may not have been the first, but I, at least from what I've seen, I, I I feel like that that was one of the first things that really just tried to encompass everything. And at least one of the most influential made a big, big difference. Absolutely. 100%. I just more wanted to bring up just like one specific aspect of, of the Night of Stonewall that I feel like is forgotten, a little, a little homage to a specific group. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, let's do it. The real heroes who who started the riot, quote unquote, were the kids. It was homeless LGBTQ youth who were, you know, very often at Stonewall because of its cheap entry fee. And they were all just gathered around front when this started and realized this isn't right. They see people getting arrested in droves. And there's reports that a butch lesbian, who many believe to be Stormy De Laverne, was being brutalized by cops before shouting, why don't you do something? To which the LGBTQ youth did something. And they started by flicking pennies. And then it became bricks. And then it became parking meters being ripped out by their bolts. Like, it... It, it was it was the spirit of these kids that got that night going that and I feel like we see the same thing now with like Gen Z and Gen Alpha being loud and just there and it like it, it's always them it's always the kids that are they're gonna be the ones that step up and and, and get this shit started if that if that makes sense you know and it's really cool to be able to look in history and see that same thing. And it's because they're fearless. And really, at that point, they have nothing to lose. I mean, they come out to their parents, their parents throw them out. You know, they're fighting to survive. What else do they have to lose? Exactly. It's just a really beautiful moment of them, you know, coming together. It's just like, no, we're, it's like the definition of we're not going to take this, you know? Yeah. It's a real spirit. Definitely. Yeah, it really is. And that spirit has carried on through, you know, organizations that like organizations and I guess a growing network of LGBTQ plus activists, right? That really paved the way for greater and broader acceptance, uh, visibility, legal progress, more more uh, equal rights and so on. Oh yeah. And I mean, that night, it, the way it ended, like it, they, the police had to barricade themselves inside the building and people tried to burn it to the ground. Queer people outside were just like, we broke through the barricade multiple times and we're just like, fuck it, torch the whole thing. Just torch it. it that, that power, that, that dignity, it's just, it's, it's a, a writer for the village voice was also barricaded in the building. And a, a, like a day later, they published their paper about the accounts of the night, which definitely revamped those five days of protests once their piece came out about what actually, you know, what happened. It's, it's just so interesting. That night could, it's, it got so many lenses. And I feel like it's such, it's such a, important thing because there's this whole idea now of like should cops be at pride right and i feel like this is a very good reminder 
that there is a reason why people say no cops at Pride. Because Pride started by us trying to burn down a building full of cops. We'll take care of our own, thank you. Exactly. And I don't think a lot of people connect those dots from the history. It genuinely it just seems like it's forgotten. Like it's it's like, oh no, but they they're there to protect you. Like, no, we don't this all started because we were protecting ourselves from you. We don't want you here. Please go. Exactly. Speaking of pride parades, want to talk about the first one? Yes, absolutely. Cool. The first pride march. Um, it was exactly one year after the Stonewall uprising, right? On uh, June 28th, 1970. Technically, they did it on the 20... Uh, they, they did it either a day earlier or a day later because it fell on a Sunday and they wanted to do it on a Saturday so more people could come. So they did it on the Saturday before instead of that Sunday because they wanted more people to be able to be there. Okay, fun fact. Yep, fun fact. So it's technically one day before the year anniversary ban. And of course, it took place in New York City. Duh. Yeah. Yes. It was, uh, so the first Pride March was actually originally known as the Christopher Street Liberation Day March. I'm sorry if I get a little too excited. It's just like, I have been so fascinated with Stonewall. I mean, this is why we're doing this. We're doing this because we're excited about it. And we want, like, we want that to translate. Yeah, you know? agreed. I, I hope it translates. So the march just, it, it, the march was not just a protest. It was in celebration of identity, uh, resilience, the power of visibility. Absolutely. Progress. So, um, yeah. So our community, the LGBT the LGBTQ plus individuals and their allies, you know, just poured onto the streets, um, waving banners, flags. I mean, it's like what you would actually envision a pride parade today is what they did back then for the very first one. And it just was, they were in demand yes. of recognition and, and equal rights. And that was back, that was 1970. So that was math <laughs> 54 years ago. Yeah. Just about almost 54. Yep. It'll be 54, this upcoming Pride. I say, and it's just wild, like, how it started. So uh, there was an activist named Craig Rodwell, and he used to hold July Reminder Day demonstrations in Philly in front of the Liberty Convention Center. And these were basically groups of queer people would take a bus from New York to Philly, and they would, you know, they would dress very properly, they would act very orderly, and they would stand with signs and just demand civil rights in front of the Liberty Convention Center, a very, you know, telling statement, or the Liberty Building, I'm not exactly sure, it was, it was, yeah. And after, basically, the, the last reminder day was held on July 4th, 1969, which is the day after the five-day Stonewall riots ended. The day after. Wow. How how befitting is that? <laughs> so he, he takes a bus of young college-age queers from New York to Philly, and immediately the air is different. They're not dressed nearly as conservatively as years prior. They're acting differently than years prior. Like, it is clear that Stonewall has changed things immediately. The air is different. Like, there is, there is an energy that didn't exist years prior. So Craig, along with his boyfriend, Fred Sargent, along with uh, activists Ellen Brogy, 
Linda Rhodes and Foster Gunninson Jr. held apartment held meetings at apartment 350 Bleecker Street, which is a place that can still be visited, still be walked past today. It is a site of major LGBTQ advocacy and and basically a bunch of meetings happened there. That's where all of this got organized. This this all happened in that building, which is so cool. You still got me on the July 4th thing. Independence Day. Yeah. If there's one thing gays know how to do, it's set a theme. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. We know how to set a theme. I just had to point that out again. <laughs> you know, like this subtle message in that. And so basically they, they organize a whole bunch of things, which is things that we will absolutely be going into in later episodes. But they're able to organize the first ever Eastern Regional Conference of Homophile Organizations in November of 1969. So, like, they got this moving quick. Amazing. And together, all of these organizations come together and basically decide to replace Reminder Day or move it, kind of like have it all be one thing, you know, to the anniversary of Stonewall. And they said, quote, they wanted to do this to commemorate the 1969 spontaneous demonstrations on Christopher Street, and the demonstration will be called Christopher Street Liberation Day. I love it. All of that together completely lays the groundwork for what Pride Celebration represents today. Yes, absolutely. And what's so cool is that even in this first memo about the first Pride, it says, quote, no dress or age regulations shall be made for this demonstration, period. So th- this isn't something that just started happen- happening where pride has no age limit. Pride has never had an age limit. It, no age limit, no dress regulations. You come as you are, you be who you are, period. Yeah, that's the way it should be. That's what it's all about. Exactly. I say, and, and yes, I will say it, and again, this is something we can always go into in a later episode, there is a lot of intersect between the early days of gay pride and the leather daddy movement and the kink community and the BDSM community and things like that. And I feel like that is a very important history because one would not have flourished without the other. That is just a fact. One community would not have been able to really, yeah, it just genuinely, both communities flourished in a very in synced way, which is something that can still be seen to this day in the queer community and at adult queer shows with how heavily kink and BDSM can be brought into it. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. But either way, they still never wanted queer youth to feel excluded. And that's what mattered. Because if it wasn't for queer youth, Stonewall wouldn't have happened. It's kind of mind blowing. And it feels like one of those things that's so important to remind people of because there, there's this whole conversation that's like, oh, only nowadays are we dragging our kids to pride. Like, no, this is this has always been an environment that was open and welcoming to you if you will, if you wanted to join. <laughs> this has always been an environment that you were welcome to. Which is indicative of exactly what it is to be in our community. That come as you are. Exactly. To just be welcomed. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, obviously this is a global movement and uh, Stonewall has a legacy that has, I mean, it's really transcended borders and it's been inspiring movements worldwide. 
I think that other countries you or um, have learned from Stonewall, and they've drawn inspiration uh, from the courage displayed at Stonewall, and have used its story as a catalyst for change within their own contexts. Um, in terms of intersectionality and inclusivity, Stonewall really highlighted the need for intersectional activism. LGBT plus individuals, they're not a monolith, but come from diverse backgrounds and experiences. So there's this like ongoing push for inclusivity within the LGBTQ plus movement that has been influenced by, you know, this understand that that exact understanding. No, 100%. And I definitely still feel like we have a long way to go with that. It definitely still feels like, like, you know, there's the stereotype of like the, 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 the old entitled gay man who doesn't get trans people. So he doesn't like them kind of thing. I mean, there's that guy who just went viral on TikTok for literally that exact thing. I don't remember exactly what his name is, but. And people go viral for the wrong reasons too. And I hate oh, that. That's, oh, that's you know, the, the, the wrong people get, get fame. It's okay though, because he has gotten dragged through by someone who used to know him. It's been wonderful. This man was like, listen, you wanted to take your transphobia public, so I'm taking your dirt public. Let's go. <laughs> it was great. So it works out. But Yeah, I just um I I wish I wish deep understanding for everybody, you know, whether they're in the community or outside the community. Um there are de there's definitely still challenges that persist um even within our community, right? Um besides the fact that our youth still faces a lot of bullying and discrimination and higher uh, percentages of like uh, mental health issues. The transgender community is really targeted. They, they continue to be most disproportionately targeted, right? For violence and other things. I feel like, yeah, a lot of the, the, the hate crimes and a lot of the, a lot of the assumptions on how people in our community live their lives comes from misunderstanding outside the community, but there there's also misunderstanding from within our community from one, I'm going to say, letter to the next, right? In the acronym. Mm -hmm, no, 100%. I say there's, there's that whole Twitter account, the LGB removed the T kind of thing. Like it, it's, it feels like an entire group of people who never learned their own history. That's what it feels like. It feels like an entire group of people who never learned their own history because the problem is, is we don't teach this history. Unless you pursue learning about Stonewall, when are you taught Stonewall? Is that something you, like, that, that's not something you learn about in school? So it's one of those things where like, Marsha P. Johnson isn't a historical figure. No, they're not teaching this in a history class. Yeah, like Marsha P. Johnson isn't a historical figure that we're learning about in history. She's someone who you have to choose to pursue knowledge about. And unless you do that, you're never going to know that the only reason you have rights is because of a trans woman of color. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're busy learning about Christopher Columbus and how he discovered America, not the natives, of course. Yeah. It's a, it's a narrative that they want to teach the youth. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's one of those things. That it's, it's, it's something that we're taught not how to assess information critically the the narrative in the narrative in schools like teaching our youth from a very young age things that you know disempower um, youth becoming growing into young adults and uh, making decisions that better their life i mean you know just as a little like a little side note one, one of the things that i am really disappointed that is not taught in schools is the power of leverage and investing and how to not exchange time for you know 
for money directly. We don't, we don't learn these things in school. We, you know, it's the same thing. Like, as you said, you know, you have to actually be intentional about learning about Stonewall and the history. You have to actually be intentional about your mindset and about learning how to live a different life that is different from the herd. That's so fair. Yeah. It's just to say, you know, um, I'm glad that we're doing this podcast because, you know, if people intentionally want to learn about LGBTQ plus topics, you know, whether it's the history or things currently, then uh, I'm glad that we can be part of the movement that educates and empowers people, and which also in part contributes to reshaping and encouraging this whole movement forward. Absolutely. Another perfect example is the fact that like, you think about the way sexual education is taught in school and realize that there is nothing for queer kids. You just mm-hmm. figure it out, usually through board. <laughs> you know, you usually figure it out not the great way. Either hands-on experience or videos you shouldn't be watching. It's one of those things that it's it's awful. Yeah. And 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 that to say, right, you know, as we reflect on Stonewall's impact. Mm-hmm you know, we are reminded that progress isn't linear. Yes. And the struggle for equality, it still continues. You know, the spirit of Stonewall encourages us to forge ahead, to um, to amplify marginalized voices, and uh, just to work toward a world where every LGBTQ plus individual can live, you know, authentically without fear of discrimination or prejudice. Yes. And safely. And, and also the legacy of yeah. Stonewall is, it's a reminder that change is possible. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Safely. And yeah, Stonewall's legacy is, it reminds us that change is possible. And um, the fight for justice, is, it's a responsibility that we've been entrusted with and really that we all share. One of the challenges that I, I wanted to mention earlier when um, when we were talking about like things that kind of still persist is that, and, and this is a whole other episode topic, so I don't like want to super dive deep into this, but I just wanted to mention like the fight <clears throat> against HIV AIDS and, and its stigma. Oh my God, yes. Right? That is still like super strong. Oh, It's yeah. alive and well. Maybe we can talk about that in, in a future episode about um, about that and clear up some things. I would love, 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 love to do something yeah. about HIV AIDS. Because even like... I do believe we have figured out who patient zero is. I do believe patient zero was discovered in the last 10 years. And uh, he was not very queer, which is, which is pretty. And I'll do so. I'll have to do some more digging into that. I'll have to do some more digging, but yeah, I would be so down to do an episode like that. Stay tuned. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll table that. Stay tuned. Cause that's going to be a good one. I've got some hot tea to spill for that one. Um, I, I, I definitely, I definitely want to do also, um, I definitely want to talk about, you know, the ongoing fight for transgender rights as yes. well, because that, that's been a struggle for that community for acceptance, um, especially in, in conservative parts fighting against discrimination. Yeah. Even like what's so wild is looking back at that, at Christopher street liberation day, trans people were not allowed to speak at the microphone slash megaphone, what they had at the time on that day. They just weren't allowed. They, they, they were just told no. To the point where Sylvia Rivera stormed the stage and stole it. And that's when she gave her speech about give us our roses while we are still alive. Don't wait until we're dead to lay flowers flowers on our grave. Give them to us now. That's when that happened. It was because she stole the microphone. (laughs) It feels like trans people have been trying to just claw the basic amount of respect for so long. And for a little while, it was like we kind of had it. Like, we were being mostly ignored, 
by most of the world, but people were starting to learn enough about us to where like the ones close to us were, were respectful and we could pass and like it was fine. And then all of a sudden the GOP needed something to blame and it couldn't be people of color anymore, at least not outright. So they turned to trans people. Because of that, that you just described right there, that they weren't allowed to speak at the microphone during the the Gay Liberation Day, A, and B, that they're the most targeted even present day, is a call to action. No, absolutely. At this point, like, allies need to be doing more, genuinely. Even uh, I was watching the streamies the other night, uh, this probably a bit ago now, once this is released, but I was watching the, the 2023 streamies and Dylan Mulvaney won a streamie and for her acceptance speech, she was like, allies, we need you to be doing more. If, if you need to be doing more with your platforms now, like the, the time is yesterday. It has to happen. You need to be loud. If you support trans people, you need to let the world know like this. It, this has to happen now. It, it, the allies need to be louder. Because they're being loud. So, you know, if you're an ally, hug a local trans. I love that. I love give that. Give us a hug. Give us cookies. We, we could use a friend. We could use a shoulder to cry on. Maybe a stuffed animal, you know? <laughs> We're not having a good time right now. If one, one population of uh, the human race is not doing well, then all of the human race is not doing well. And that's the way I see it. Um, and I, I, I hope that... You know, everybody else can come to that understanding and, and perspective, right, in in the progress forward. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And, and, and yeah, I, I, I hope so, because that would be absolutely lovely.